Nest Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Mags, is your go-to health podcast. We connect you with the very best of Bermuda's health and wellness experts, enthusiasts and influencers, helping you get the very best from your mind and body. So go and follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Royal Gazette and join the conversation every month. It starts right here. Welcome to Superbrain, the fifth episode in the 2022 series of the Best Health Podcast. I'm Becky Ezekiel, and before we jump in, I want to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for making this episode possible. Lindos, why go anyplace else? Today, I am happy to welcome Dr. Samantha O'Bannon into the Sound Lounge. Not only has Dr. Sam studied at some of the top hospitals on the West Coast, including UCLA and the LA Children's Hospital, But alongside working for her master's and doctorate degrees in neuropsychology, Dr. Sam also helped to open the Sport Concussion Institute in Atlanta. Here she was responsible for evaluating professional athletes and her research was used to help form the return to play protocols for the NFL. That's pretty cool. Dr. Sam is bringing her specialist skills in neuropsychology back to Bermuda so we don't have to travel overseas for these services. Thank you very much for that. So here to talk to us about our brain health, Dr. Sam, thank you very much for coming in. Hi, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. So let's start off with some basics of what neuropsychology actually is and <laughs> how it differs from psychology. Great question. So to be fair, not very many people know the answer to this mm-hmm. question. And it's actually a very complicated answer depending on the specific um arena that a neuropsychologist is working in. So to give like an overview or a blanket answer, I specialize in brain and behavior relationships. So basically what I look at is how if something is impacting the brain or if there is like a trauma that's happening in the brain, let's say there was a concussion or an accident or even like epilepsy or a neurodegenerative disorder, whatever it may be, how that is then going to manifest in our daily lives. So how it's going to impact our ability to work or school, our learning and memory, our thinking abilities. Um, And so we just are able to look not only big picture, Um, which I feel like a lot of psychology kind of looks at, like how is this impacting how we think or how we behave um, at like a broad level, Mm -hmm. but really get down to the fine details and determine, you know, well, this part of our brain might be actually impacted with this and this is what this is going to look like. Um, How would this journey look like in a rehab sense? You know, if we are losing some skills in our frontal lobes, for example, which are controlling um, our ability to attend to information or... um, even being able to organize and plan, Mm -hmm. then if this part is impacted, what is this going to look like? Mm -hmm. And then what resources or accommodations can we put into place to help to improve that? Got you. Okay. So at what point would somebody come and see a neuropsychologist? Are we talking about someone who is a little bit worried about kind of brain fog and just finding day-to-day a little bit difficult? Or Mm -hmm. are most of your patients people who have experienced something a bit more serious, like an accident or something like that? Yeah, um, it depends. So I would say that the majority of our patients tend to be those who do have something significant that has occurred or is occurring. Um, Again, depending on the setting, if it's a medical setting, they've had a diagnosis or they're 
moving in the direction of a diagnosis and really we're working with a treatment team like with other neurologists or um, like neuroradiologists to really help to localize the point of brain dysfunction. Um, so it can happen in that lens or if it was in a school setting, I have to keep going both and forth, back and forth because it depends. Sure. Um, if it's in a school setting, uh, typically, you know, a child is at a point where they're really struggling and they're significantly behind mm -hmm. um, and parents and or teaching staff, support staff, um, are at a point where they're like, we really don't know what's going on. We have to figure out how to help. Um, those are the typical referrals that we get. However, it's not exclusive to that. I do have quite a few referrals from adults that are exactly like you described. You know, I'm just, I'm not what I used to be. There is a little bit of brain fog or perhaps like a big referral since the time of the pandemic. Everybody's in this space where they're kind of like, I'm not performing at the level that I used to be. Mm -hmm. Something's different. Something's off. I'm not as productive. I'm not as efficient. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to make sure that nothing's wrong, number one. Um, and that if there isn't anything wrong, number two, what can I put into place to help improve this productivity, to help make sure that I'm still meeting these deadlines or goals? So going back to the assessment mm -hmm. phase, how does that work? So you sit down with a patient and you'll ask mm -hmm. them some questions. Do you run kind of physical tests? Do you run scans, those types of things? Or do you do a lot of question answer, watch how they perform or mm -hmm. associate things? Well, first and foremost, I'm not doing any scans. Mm -hmm. Um, so that I don't do. I can take scans into consideration. Like sometimes people have had like an MRI or CT or whatever the case is. And those are helpful for me to sort of localize an area that I want to target or hone in on. Um, but no two assessments are the same. So while I do have a standard procedure, I guess I will say, it really just depends on the referral question. But to answer your question, <laughs> speaking to that standard procedure, um, there's a number of different tests that we do. Some of it is paper and pencil. There's definitely a clinical interview part where we're asking a lot of questions and we're talking about a lot of the difficulties or maybe not even difficulties, but a lot of the typical day-to-day -day functionings that are occurring. Um, I do a lot of like iPad testing where technology has improved in a lot of ways. And so there are a lot of little activities that we can do on our iPads. Um, I do, you know, like I'll ask you questions or you might be doing something with blocks or using recreating towers. It really just depends on the data that I need mm -hmm. and what type of skills that we're assessing. Um, perhaps most exciting, especially mm -hmm. for the kiddos. Yeah. Um, a little plug for my business, I suppose. Yes, um, with my kids, I play video games for, for as for, a part of my assessment, really? and it's so I bet they fun. Love it. <laughs> it's so fun. I have like every video game console. I don't bring all of them, but mm -hmm. right now I'm using like the Nintendo Switch mm -hmm. with a lot of the popular games. I love like the Mario's. Um, we do like Mario Kart racing, and we do like Super Smash Brothers. Like, yeah, we're playing and, actual video games. But what are you what are you looking for when I, when they're playing? I mean, great question. Yeah. So technically, we're just playing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of that is to build the rapport. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer, the same as in any field of psychology, because neuropsych is a specialty of that. Um, that if you don't have good rapport with someone, if you don't trust that individual, if you don't feel comfortable, mm -hmm. you're not going to get good data. You're not going to get good information. That person doesn't feel comfortable sharing anything with you. It's almost pointless, yeah. right? Um, I tell people that same thing about therapy all the time. Like if anybody's ever been in therapy, I've been in therapy. Mm -hmm. Therapy is worth it. Yes. Little plug. Um, therapists need therapists as well. Yeah. But like 
no two therapists are created the same. Like you have to spend time to find someone that you actually have a relationship with in order for it to be effective. And I firmly believe that the same for neuro, Mm -hmm. right? Where I'm doing such hard work and it is really cognitively taxing that if a kid comes in and they don't want to be there or they're not interested in what I'm doing, I'm not going to get good data. They're just going to be sitting there giving me bare minimum answers, Mm -hmm. which is not an accurate representation of their skills. Mm -hmm. So part of it, huge part of it is that rapport. However, here's the lowdown information. I get lots of info from video game playing. In terms of how how they're how they're strategizing the game or in terms of of how they're reacting to what's happening. Everything. Everything. It's such rich data. Wow. I get information on social skills, social reciprocity, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're able to understand that we take turns, Mm -hmm. if they're able to encourage others or accept defeat. Like I don't let kids win. I want (laughs) to beat them because I want to see can you lose or can you tolerate that experience? Um, So there's lots of rich data socially. Also, I'm looking at visual spatial skills, hand-eye coordination, um, like motor skills. I'm looking at their organization and planning, which is executive functioning. So their frontal lobes, like everything is activated Mm -hmm. during video games. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though it's not ideal, it's been controversial for a long time. Um, I actually recently wrote an article about this on whether or not video games were even bad for you. Mm. Short answer, Mm. it depends. (laughs) (laughs) Go see the article. Yeah, (laughs) it's my thing for everything. It's not a straight answer. Um, But, you know, I get such rich data. Mm -hmm. There's so many different elements of neurocognitive functioning that can that I can speak to by observing a kid playing video games. Wow. Um, And am I using it as concrete data? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily because I'm not getting data points from it, but I can speak to that on an observational level. Wow. I bet they love it as well. Oh, they do. They, they must and it's great, yeah. especially when I beat them. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're competing the whole time. And they're usually like, typically, to be honest, my kids usually always want to come back. Really? It's rare that I'm assessing a child, mm. when, which is so difficult, or not difficult, but it's hard to like conceptualize. Like, wow, you're doing all of these tests, and a lot of them are academic mm-hmm. for kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's boring. Yeah. Um, but I like to tell them it's like an easy half day of school, and we get to play video games. Yeah. And usually they're like... Do I come back next time? Can I come <laughs> back tomorrow? Yeah. Can we have it in their mind? Some mm-hmm. of them, especially my really little ones, they think of it as like a play date. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely. So, and I have lots of fun too. Yeah. Yeah. Win win. Exactly. So it's great. Awesome. You touched briefly on executive functioning. Yes. So what what is that? What do we mean by executive functioning? Oh. Loaded question Sorry. and answer, <laughs> but again, in my it, attempt it to answer succinctly, yeah, it depends. <laughs> um, no, there are actually many aspects of executive functioning. It's not just one skill. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can include things like organization and planning, which really underscores everything, right? If you can't necessarily organize and plan your way through something, you're not going to successfully complete it as mm-hmm. efficiently, which is another part of executive functioning, mm-hmm. efficiency. Right. So I'm looking at whether or not you can do things quickly and accurately, which is really important. Um, There are also things like switching, for example. So, I mean, you can think about this in different contexts, but let's think about it in the context of a school since we keep talking about kids. Um, Your ability to quickly switch between different demands or different tasks 
or to switch quickly between different subjects. So sometimes, you know, if you're in the middle of a lecture and a teacher is talking about something and then all of a sudden, oh, the bell has rung and you now need to go to a different class. Mm -hmm. Like how efficient are you at being able to get to that next topic? Um, and there's there's a lot of different elements of that, right? Like mm -hmm. if you can't get to that, um, I call it, and I think it's called in the research as well, like a cognitive residue. Um, really great visual because I like using analogies and metaphors to help explain a lot of these things to mm -hmm. my patients or my families or my kids. Um, you know when your windshield is really dirty yeah. and you have old wipers? Yes. And, it and it's raining mm -hmm. and you go to move that windshield wiper and it's like, it's like that squishy and it looks you it looks foggy yes, yes. you can't see mm -hmm. that is cognitive residue you. Okay. right you don't want that no because if you can't quickly switch mm -hmm. and it's clean mm -hmm. then you're missing information got you okay. yeah so there's there's lots more mm -hmm. um, involved in executive functions mm -hmm. but ultimately all of them when you put them together they kind of underscore each other um, and everything can undermine organization and planning. And if you don't have great executive functioning, you're not efficient, and you're probably not doing things to your maximum potential. Mm -hmm. So if, if children aren't born with um, those skills, but they're born with the potential to develop them, mm -hmm. how can parents, what can they do at home to make sure that their kids are on the right track? There are lots of different things that can help those. Um, I mean, there are, there's a move right now for a lot of, like, cognitive rehabilitation strategies that are kind of on the market. Some of them are video games mm -hmm. that can sort of help to develop some of these executive functions. So the things like planning organization that I keep man, um, mentioning. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're using, like, these educational games that can sort of help to do things, um, structure is a really great mm -hmm. thing. Being able to put things in place, I mean, it... I've heard this a long time, I'm sure everybody knows, but then there's always those, those people that don't, right? That as much as our kids try to resist, like, organization and structure and everything else, like, they love it. Mm -hmm. Our brains thrive on that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And so putting things into place, um, routines, making sure that there's consistency, all of those things can help, mm -hmm. can help with planning, can help with organization, can help with a lot of these skills that are required, mm -hmm. um, helping your child um, practice being flexible, right? Like they don't always have to get what they want or always be able to transition the way that they would want things to happen or the way that, yeah, they, they can't always do that, right? Yeah. So working on those skills um, can be helpful. Um, also involving them in decision-making, right? Like sometimes as parents, like we have the ability to phrase things in a way that makes it seem like they have an agency, but we're really just presenting them with the options that we're accepted mm -hmm. um, or that we feel are acceptable. So doing things like, you know, um, well, you have to do some, if their kids are on break, like, you know, my nephew right now, he's on a break in school. And <laughs> I, I laugh at him all the time because he has no idea. But my mom, she's really good at being able to frame these things for him when she has him during mm -hmm. the days. Um, and she'll say like, oh, well, you have to do your reading and your math. Right. Even though school's out, yeah. he has no assignments, but he's got to do some work. Yeah. Right. So which would you rather prefer? Right. Like, right. do you want mm -hmm. to do both of them now 
or both of them later. Mm -hmm. Or if she's feeling fancy and she wants to give him another extra (laughs) option, it'll be like, well, you can do your reading in the morning and math in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. or you can do your math in the morning and your reading in the afternoon. Which one do you want to do? So it's like you're framing it in a way that makes it seem like it's his decision, (laughs) but it's not, Mm -hmm. and you're still doing the work, right? But like inviting them into that decision-making process also helps. Right. That's a a good piece of advice. One of the things just popped in my mind that I recommend to parents all the time, we were working on like social skills or emotional regulation, which Mm -hmm. is really big with our littles. Um, Like you can have family movie nights Mm -hmm. and take time to process the movie. One that I recommend all the time is that movie Inside Out they're talking about all the emotions and it's like oh here's joy and here's anger and here's sadness and Mm -hmm. it's a really really well-developed storyline if you're watching those types of things with your kids like there are so many unique opportunities to pause the movie Mm -hmm. and just be like hey like what do you think about that that just happened Mm -hmm. or you know what do you think about that emotion when was a time when you felt that way or if they're not really responsive talking like modeling mm-hmm. appropriate emotional regulation you know mommy or daddy or me or whatever whoever you are in the relation um i i felt sad today at work mm-hmm. because this happened but like here's what i did sometimes we're afraid mm-hmm. to have like honest conversations and there are certain things that we do have to make sure are age appropriate not everything is appropriate for every age mm-hmm. right but there's nothing wrong with modeling a positive and I can't even think of the word that I want to use. So I'll just use positive, a positive way to process an emotional experience as adults. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I often see that a lot of times in kids, like those kids that really, really struggle usually come from households where they didn't discuss any of that. Right. So right? emotions are kind of hidden yeah. or, so I think probably the fear is that people don't want their, their children to see anything negative or yeah. to know that they've been upset or sad. And so they yeah. think they're doing the best thing by hiding it yeah. um, and shielding them from it. But actually, they never really learn to process yeah. what that means and how to deal with it. Honestly, it's a really careful balance. Um, but, I mean, we see this all the time. Um And it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing. Like a lot of us were raised in households where we didn't see any of that, right? Um, And then some of us were raised in households where it was the complete opposite, where we saw so much emotion that it was detrimental, Mm -hmm. right? Because it it almost made that child feel as though they were responsible for the emotions of the adult. So they were responsible for fixing. And that's not positive either. Mm -hmm. But there's a middle ground, right, where I don't think that it's a problem – sharing those things and helping them to process, right? Even if it's not complete, I hate to say this, but not complete transparency. Mm -hmm. So like, let's say you had a really bad day at work and you really blew up and you lost it and flipped a script (laughs) and we're like going off and cursing or whatever it Mm -hmm. was, right? But then you decided to have a moment at home. Um, One of the cool things, I'm coming up with so many random things. One of the things that we recommend to our families in in California is um, peaks and pits, pits and peats. It's like during dinner time, the family's sitting around and everybody takes turns talking about the lows of their days and the highs of their days, Mm -hmm. right? And so again, that similar process where if that was your day and that was your experience, rather than being like, I was really angry and this is what happened and I cursed this person off and rah, 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 Mm -hmm. like that's not helpful. You don't necessarily want your child to model that, but you could say like, I had a really bad day today. Mm -hmm. And these were the emotions that I felt 
which helps with emotional identification. Um, and this is why I felt that way. So it brings them into that emotional experience like, wow, okay, so that's normal. And if I feel angry, that makes sense because I could feel because blah, 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 blah. But this is how I chose to handle it. Or you know what? If I'm being honest, I couldn't really handle it that well in the moment. But I took some time Mm -hmm. and I thought about it and I processed those emotions a little bit and maybe dumbing that down a little bit to describe it a little better. Um, And now I'm in a place where I can talk about it. Because you don't always have to respond in the moment. Sometimes it's better to just be quiet and take some space or take some time. And teaching that. Mm -hmm. And that is very positive. It's a positive skill to show. It teaches our children that emotions are normal and emotions are healthy. Mm -hmm. It means that you're alive and you're an adult. I mean, not an adult, but you're alive and you're a human. So Mm -hmm. congratulations. (laughs) Um, But all emotions are not positive. Mm -hmm. We've all been focusing more on our mental health Mm -hmm. lately. And we have with COVID. Yes. Especially, what um, impacts has COVID had on our executive functioning? I can't <laughs> say that phrase very clearly. Um, <laughs> what 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 changes are we seeing? Kind of on a community level, mm-hmm. everyone's anxiety went up, and, and I'm sure that everyone experienced some kind of brain fog. But yes, have you seen COVID patients who have actually had COVID and are suffering real long term effects of the long COVID on on things like their memory? So. COVID. Um, I don't know if I've said this already in this conversation, but I kind of joke that we're on like our junior year of COVID right now. Like we've been in COVID for a while now. Um, And even though it's starting to feel like our new normal, it's still not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I like to present to people often and reframe this, that we've all been in the midst of a massive community based trauma Mm -hmm. for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. Our brains and our bodies were not prepared or designed to undergo this level of trauma for prolonged periods of time. Yes. And we're in years mm-hmm. of this, not counting everything else that's been going on, the racial injustices that were stemming around the same time, mm-hmm. all of the crazy traumatic things that we're seeing all over the news. Like mm-hmm. right now we're dealing with this U- the Ukraine, Ukraine war, issue yeah. and this war, and it's it's just nonstop mm-hmm bombardment of these images and stressful situations and then it's like every other day there's this inconsistency or un, un, uncertainty mm-hmm. right it's like oh okay we're getting better and COVID's going away oh just kidding new strain yeah. <laughs> and you've won a new strain like every two seconds right where we're like oh okay we're all gonna like go downhill again yeah. we're all worried about our lives mm-hmm. and we've lost so many people which is heartbreaking and it's really put us in a in a bad space too because mm-hmm. we're not only trying to survive mm-hmm. and adapt which fortunately we're very adaptable people as humans mm-hmm. um, and get, our kids are too but we're also dealing with loss we're dealing with loss of individuals and family members loss of travel schedules mm-hmm. and um, you know like our hobbies we're dealing with losses of functioning. For a lot of us, anxiety plays a huge role in cognition. There's some research that suggests that the difference in IQ scores between individuals who have endured significant trauma and those who have not can differ by as much as like 31 or 32 points. And just so that you know, that is huge. Mm. We measure significancy or significance in the context of intelligence in standard deviations, which for an intelligence measure would be 15 points. 
30 plus points is two standard deviations. That could be the difference between performing in a high average range and performing in a low average range. You skipped average altogether because you went two standard deviations down. Mm -hmm. It could also, framing in a different context, be the difference between you being average or consistent with your same age peers Mm -hmm. and being below where you should be and really looking on paper like you don't know anything. Wow. Right? And that's just trauma Mm -hmm. and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So taking that into context, I think it helps to like lighten that burden and that load off of people to feel like it's not just you. Mm -hmm. We are all struggling. Yes. Everyone is experiencing to some extent a loss and a change in how their brain is functioning and how they're doing things. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people are benefiting socially especially our introverts who are like, yeah, I don't yeah. have to talk to anybody ever, yeah. right? Where like myself included, those of us who are extroverts who are like dying yeah. in the beginning of this whole process. Funny story, this is like TMI about myself. I'm sure if my mom ever listens to this, she's going to be like, why do you talk so much? <laughs> um, but like the first couple of weeks of COVID, I was like losing it. I'm a super extrovert right. to the point where like we had this – huge box I don't even remember what was delivered in this box but it just it was life-size yeah I crawled into the box and hid I hid because I was that bored it was like a game I have puppies I have a husband and I waited for him to find me (laughs) and he thought I was insane and literally he's like taking videos and at first he was like where did she go but my dogs are like circling around like barking I'm like shh 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 and he comes and like kicks the box by accident and immediately he's like you need help. And he just like walks away and I like pop out of the box like, yeah, you found me. Like crazy. Oh I'm not insane. I promise you. But, you know, I was really struggling. I was so bored. Oh I was so bored. I was like, please get me out of here. I was the opposite. I was the introvert who was like, oh my God, I don't have to Best go anywhere for a couple of weeks. I can cancel my plans and I can be at home and be really happy. Yeah. So yeah, no, some of us were not okay. Yeah, fine. Okay. Some I of get us you. Were not Um, But no, on a more serious note, like everybody's experienced Mm -hmm. some change. And for most of us, we're not doing okay. And I mean, now we're starting to fare better, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's been so long we've adapted. Mm -hmm. We're starting to get our footing back. A lot of us are starting to, we've really just settled in. It's not even that things are getting better per se, but like we're getting used to it. This is now our new normal, right? So um, that's a long way of sort of answering the initial (laughs) question. Like, yes. Things are different. Yes, anxiety is playing a huge role. Yes, people have experienced difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has also um, been seen in those who have actually had COVID. I have seen a number of different patients who were previously diagnosed with COVID um, who are experiencing this long-term brain fog. They're experiencing deficits in their memory. There are actual cognitive effects of this. And actually, this has been... It's a huge thing in the field right now of neuropsychology where we're all kind of testing and there's questions with that, right? Because to a certain extent, some of the reliability and validity is caused, it's called into question because we're like, our norms were not, or our tests were not normed under these conditions. Is this even valid data? Mm-hmm. So a lot of us, we're putting caveats in our reports like, the effects of the pandemic may be decreasing right. or undermining the performance. This may not be accurate. It could be an underestimate, mm-hmm. right? But we don't know. 
But as time has gone on, we're in year two, we are starting to know. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see these effects come out. We're all sharing data within the listservs. And we're all starting to put together like aggregates of all of this data and sharing it to be like, look, guys, this is the profile that we're seeing. In individuals who have had COVID, we are seeing memory deficits that are long term. We are seeing... um, you know, this fogginess, we're seeing difficulties in the frontal lobe and in executive functions, like you mentioned, you know, people are having these difficulties switching or with efficiency or with organization and planning and all of these other things. And so um, we're seeing it on both on both Mm -hmm. ends. And it's somewhat of like a lose lose, where my message to everyone is always like, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. Okay, to a certain extent, we are all struggling. There's nothing significant most likely that has happened that is your fault Mm -hmm. for why your ability to function at your maximum potential has shifted and it's also put us all in a perspective where we're a little better able to afford each other grace and at the same time again shifting that perspective I think a lot of us are in a position where we're scared Mm -hmm. nobody's really talking about it But a lot of times people are like, I'm worried that I'm faking it. I'm worried that other people notice that Mm -hmm. things have changed. I'm worried that I'm not doing as well. And so my job performance is being called into question. And for some, that's a reality. But for most of us, especially like upper level individuals, there's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. And so if that can help anybody, I just always like framing that just to be like, it's okay. Um, How do you combat trauma? Mm -hmm. Right? That's usually the next question. So like, what do we do? Um, another big buzzword, self-care and preaching to the choir. I preach self-care all day long. It's in our field. We've been taught and we tell everybody that, but like most of us are really bad at it, myself included. Mm -hmm. I'm not great at Mm -hmm. self-care, but self-care can help. And in terms of self-care, you mean what? Making time to look after yourself. And that can mean, I guess, anything from having a long bath to going for a walk. Yes. All of that. Whatever you like to enjoy that's for you all of that Mm -hmm. taking time out Mm -hmm. um there are lots of different forms of that Mm -hmm. um lots of different resources in fact I had put out I completely forgot until somebody mentioned it earlier today I had put out a coloring book um not too long ago maybe like a year ago now um that was like a coping resource coloring book Mm -hmm. where on the back of every page it had different um like coping skills or different things that can be used um, for self-care, yeah. like teaching these self-regulation skills. So mm-hmm. it can be as little as, like you mentioned, going for a walk, taking a long bath, mm-hmm. um, watching a show that you really enjoy, setting up rewards for yourself. Mm-hmm. The things that we usually feel so guilty for, mm-hmm. like I know speaking for myself because people are like, yeah, right, you're just talking. Like, no, speaking for myself, I had to do it like this weekend, mm-hmm. actually today, mm-hmm. yesterday and today, where it's like, you get to a point where you're not working as efficiently and you're beating yourself up because you're like, man, like I need to get this done. And oh, like, what does this mean about me? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. And then you sort of like start like robbing yourself of the time that you need or the sleep that you need or whatever it is because then you feel guilty yeah. for taking a break. Yeah. Putting yourself in those positions where you're prioritizing yourself is so incredibly important mm-hmm. because it gives your brain that release, releases of oxytocin, releases of serotonin. And all of these great things that are going to, like, make your brain party a little bit. Like, all your endorphins and everything else where you're like, yeah, this is great. And then it kind of releases some of the effects of that cortisol, which is our primary stress hormone, which is what is causing so much havoc. Mm -hmm. Um, 
not to scare anybody, but to put it in perspective even more, research has also shown that prolonged levels of cortisol have actually resulted in cell death in key areas in the brain. So you can literally start losing function if you have too much stress. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of this is really not us. Mm -hmm. It's neurobiological, Mm -hmm. right? Um, With kids, lots of different things. There's lots of grounding exercises and activities. So going outside for a walk Mm -hmm. and taking the time to find 10 different flowers, nine different birds, Mm -hmm. eight and like counting back and making it fun. Mm -hmm. Like eight different stones, you know, like (laughs) random things, but Mm -hmm. just making it really exciting and engaging that child in this. Mm -hmm. Not only will they have a lot of fun doing it, but it'll also be a good relaxing activity for you. We joked earlier about going to Instagram for educational purposes. Are there any (laughs) accounts that you follow, either brain health related or just otherwise, that you enjoy that people might want to check out? We did talk about this earlier. Mm -hmm. I kind of laughed because I was like, I follow lots of accounts and they're all random and I don't know if people (laughs) want to go to these. Um, But I guess I have like a couple of the professional accounts, so Mm -hmm. to speak. A lot of them are run by my friends, actually, who are professionals in their respective fields. Um, Like, you know, I have a friend who's a pelvic floor therapist in the United States and she's got this like... um, podcasts that are not podcasts but it's like an instagram page that is actually huge right now she's Mm -hmm. gotten so many followers recently um i think she calls herself like the vagina rehab doctor or something it's like super like jarring but like she's really really good and it's all things you know women's health and pelvic health so those things are really great Mm -hmm. um there's also you know like bright futures bermuda which great plug you know my mom was a part of that. Sorry, mm-hmm. she's going to hate that I said that. You can probably, like, you know, edit that out. Um, but, you know, she has a history in education and early childhood development. Mm-hmm. And so she has a lot of great resources. It's like Bright Futures BDA on Instagram. A lot of great resources that she'll post all the time on, like, learning and interventions for kids, mm-hmm. which is really great. I follow them all the time, yeah. even though I know her. I'm just like, well, this is great, and I'll save it and just not tell her. Yeah. Um, There's also things like, you know, of course, I follow my office Mm -hmm. in California Mm because we put out a lot of great articles and resources. So, like, Insight Collective, I don't even remember, like, dot S Pasadena, so South Pasadena. We'll put um, all of them in the in the show notes, maybe, yeah. so that so that people can find them. Absolutely, that would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so we have those. Those are kind of like if I'm really looking for information. Mm-hmm. Of course, I have like a lot of neuropsychologist colleagues that I follow their pages too. Where where can people find you on online? I can be found at Doctor Sam. I am mm-hmm. so kind of like you know Doctor Sue's green eggs and yeah, yeah. really catchy, <laughs> um, and not like dr, but like spelling it out. Mm-hmm. I can be found on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have like a Facebook Doctor Sam page as mm-hmm. well. So that's that's really helpful. And my website is the same. Mm-hmm. So com. it has a lot of great information on neuropsych, what it is, how it can be helpful. It answers a lot of FAQs that people ask, um, even down to how can I best prepare for an assessment. Okay. And it talks about like, make sure you get a great night's sleep and eat well, because mm-hmm. I want your brain to be fueled. Yeah. You know, it just goes through a lot of information. And I'm also trying, I'm not that great with social media, mm-hmm. um, but I'm trying to 
keep that page current with a lot of the different like articles and things that we do in our Pasadena office in California. Mm -hmm. So every time there's something that's happening, I'm trying to put something up there. Mm -hmm. I've probably only done two, but hey, it's better than zero. Exactly. So. And is your plan, just so people who might want to contact you and have a review, what, are you going to be moving to Bermuda? Is that your <laughs> is that your thing? Or are you visiting every few months and you're seeing patients? How can people see you? So, how exclusive should we be in this exclusive? Yeah, give us some exclusive. The Royal Gazette Zone. Yeah. <laughs> First look. <laughs> um, so right now I'm visiting quarterly. Mm-hmm. So I am wrapping up this March visit. This was the first trip back to the island. So glad to have been home. Um, I'll be back in June, September, and December. Okay. Um, I will say, I guess this is exclusive right here. You've heard it first, guys. But I've been telling people we'll see Mm -hmm. after that point. But I'm looking to relocate by the end of the year. Yeah, it's time to come home. I'm just hoping that everything aligns Mm -hmm. during the right time. So. Hopefully, it will be something that is not just quarterly, but Mm -hmm. will be something that's more consistent um, moving forward. Obviously, there's a lot of moving wheels and pieces to figure out. There's a lot happening in California right now, and I have to figure out all of that. But, um, yeah. Great. But for now, people can go in and log on to your website and book an appointment to see you later in the year if they choose Absolutely. I do have free 15-minute consultations. The link available is is on um, my website. Um, or if you wanted to contact something locally, I do have a local email address, Dr. Sam, this time DR. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Sam at com. That's how I can be reached locally. Um, but, you know, perfect. But, um, yeah, if anybody, even if you're just not sure mm-hmm. and you're like, how can this be helpful? Feel free to go on there, send me an email or just go through the links. I think I need to put up more availability, but you can just book a 15 minute consultation. It'll send you a Zoom link once you've booked and we can just chat and see how an assessment can be of assistance or if you just have questions. Um, I'm, I've always wanted to just help and contribute to the quality of healthcare that we have on the island. I think we've done a great job progressing since I was younger mm-hmm. in here. Um, but we have a lot of room to go, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and you know. it's such a specialist subject, what you do, right? Because you yeah. were saying you wouldn't just be the only um, neuropsychologist in Bermuda, but there's only several hundred of you in the U.S., is that right? Yeah, to be honest, I don't even remember the exact amounts. If you look on Google, because I looked it up, Uh and some people might have looked it up and been like, she's lying, it says like (laughs) 15,000, and that number is not accurate Uh because there are some regulations around like it's there's a lot happening neuropsychology is very regulated by the american psychological association but in other countries sometimes they don't have as strict of regulations and so there's some gray area as to who is considered Mm -hmm. a neuropsychologist however per regulation that does exist Mm -hmm. um the degree you have to have a doctorate it can either be in like medicine or clinical psychology or something very closely related to that mm-hmm. and then not only are you doing all of this training additional training but after you've completed all of your training um, you then have to do an additional two-year specialty full rotation 
under another neuropsychologist in order to say that you are a neuropsychologist. There are certain criteria that has to be met, certain amount of hours, Mm -hmm. then you report to the board until you're able to say that. So there's a bunch of crazy estimates Mm -hmm. online. I've seen like as, like I said, when you go to Google, it's like 15,000. Like, mm-hmm. that's not true. Yeah. And then you see, like, another article that's like, oh, there's only a couple hundred. Right. So I don't so we don't really know. really know. But I feel like I was told it was only a couple mm-hmm. hundred. Mm-hmm. At the very least, I can tell you that I'm pretty sure the percentage was like 5% where of or less, 5% of less, where of the neuropsychologist or even the psychologist, like, the fact that I am a woman – in that field Mm -hmm. and a woman of color Mm -hmm. in that field it takes it down to somewhere between like the first like only one to five percent depending on which arena you're looking at that's represented so it's not that common Mm -hmm. um and that means a lot to me Mm -hmm. um not just you know for my own accomplishment because that's great Mm -hmm. but it's always been a goal of mine to bring this specialty back home at some point and to contribute and to to be able to provide these services because I know how needed they are Mm -hmm. for so many different reasons. Not only because, you know, in America or other countries, it's considered a quality of care that's pretty standard, that's involved in a lot of different areas, especially in medicine. Um, But outside of that, it's like, you know, there are certain fields that I think we have our foot in and we're starting to um, increase our presence for example like the arena of sports Mm -hmm. right like sports concussions are a huge thing and they're not only isolated to american football Mm -hmm. right like our version of football or soccer for the Mm -hmm. americans um has a high rate of concussions volleyball has a huge rate of concussions gymnastics like there's so many different Mm -hmm. things boxing you know there's a lot of different arenas in sports and whereas in competitive sports in any other country or I can speak specifically to America, um, a standard like neuropsych assessment, like pre-assessment mm-hmm. is warranted just to get a baseline in the event that there's an injury so okay. that we know if there's a change of functioning. We don't have any of that here. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. And I could just be, you know, naive and out of the loop um, or ignorant in that context right now. But I don't know that I've even heard us discuss mm-hmm concussions and related to our sports or the need to have that as a part of our services. Um, We have a high rate of like motor vehicle accidents because we're on bikes Mm -hmm. from early and know our speed limits, not that fast, but Mm -hmm. we're still getting a lot of those TBIs that are coming in. Mm -hmm. That is a standard part of care. And we don't see that here because we haven't necessarily had it. There's just so many areas that again, it would be standard of care Mm -hmm. in other places that I know I've known for a long time, but now I'm just really, really excited to be able to be like here. Yeah. You know, like we have this. Hopefully we can work with the insurance companies and everything else Mm -hmm. to continue to provide or to hopefully provide comprehensive coverage for all of these things Mm -hmm. because the services are not inexpensive. Um, But, you know, this is just the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sure that things will continue to progress in the right direction. Sure. Well, we're very happy to have you. bringing your specialty back to Bermuda. Not as happy as I And hopefully when you're back later in the year, you'll come back on the podcast and chat more about the sports concussions because that just yes. sounds so interesting. Let's, Let's do I that. love that arena. Yeah, okay, love, love. we'll do that later in the year. Thank you so much for coming in and talking You're to welcome. us today. It's been lovely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I Thank appreciate you. it.
This episode of Best Health has been sponsored by Lindos. Why go anyplace else? Thank you all for listening and thank you to Dr. Sam for coming in. Please head over to our social media pages and let us know what you thought of today's episode. We are at the Royal Gazette and at RG Mags on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And make sure you look out for next month's episode where we'll be discussing eating disorders and the process of recovery. See you all there.